freedom. Thank you that who the sun sets free is free indeed. Thank you that in Jesus nothing is impossible. No sickness can't be healed. No confusion can't lift. Depression leaves in Jesus' name. Thank you for answers. Thank you that your mercy woke us up this morning, Lord. For one reason. That's to look like Jesus. And we have your Holy Spirit to help us. To counsel us and to lead us. To empower us. To look more like Jesus. I thank you that one drop of your blood deals with all the guilt, with all the shame, and all the condemnation. And that your mercies were new this morning as they were every other morning. We love you, Lord. We give you glory. Have your way tonight. Through my words and in each one of us, let none of us leave unchanged tonight. Your word is alive and it's active and we're expectant tonight to be transformed. Amen. 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 Good evening, everyone. Good to see you all. I want to start by just honouring Pastor Rabs and Pastor Tony. Um, I don't take this lightly. And I want to thank them and thank the Lord for what he's building here. And in the Bible, Paul, he, there's a lament and it's like a cry from his heart. And he says, though you've got 10,000 instructors, you don't have many fathers. And it's like Paul wanted the body to have fathers. And I thank God that in Pastor Tony and Pastor Abs, we do have fathers who have the father's heart. And can we just honour them tonight? Thank them. <clears throat> yeah, so it was Father's Day on, on Sunday. Who celebrated Father's Day? Yeah? Well, you're all sinners. Jesus said, call no man on earth your father. Did anyone send a Father's Day card? <laughs> no, so it's okay to call your dad father. And I just called Rabs and Tony father. But what is... What did Jesus mean when he said, call no man on earth your father? He says it in Matthew chapter 23, verse 9. It doesn't mean if you call your dad, dad or father, you're sinning, or if you send him a father's day card, you're not sinning. But what he means is, the word father means come forth from. Come forth from. And so what Jesus is saying is, don't limit, regulate, or Identify your life by natural means, hereditary or biological existence. You have one reason for being here, and that's because God said, let us make man in our image, and in his image and likeness you were created. In the image and likeness of God himself. 
And so that when Jesus says, call no man on earth your father, you're not looking to your earthly father for the reason for your existence. You're looking to God. You came forth from him. He, he saw you. He knit you together in your mother's womb. And so someone might be sitting here thinking, yeah, but you don't know my upbringing. You don't know what I've been through. You, know what, you don't know what my family did to me. Well, in Jesus, that doesn't matter anymore. Because you've been adopted into his family. And of course, that doesn't mean we're insensitive to that. We understand. And we understand the pain you've been through. But that changes when, when Christ comes. Your identity changes. Amen? So happy Father's Day to all the dads. So it was Father's Day and um, I was asked to um, preach at a friend's church on Father's Day. And I've been to this church maybe four or five times the last few years. Um, and I was going there to preach. And I wasn't necessarily going to... I had a different message planned, but as I was... Walking into the church, God reminded, I was actually thinking, oh, you know what, I'm going to remind this church what happened the last time I was there. So the last time I was there, not the last time, the time before that would have been about 11 months ago because I was sitting there um, with the pastors and um, Pastor Abs was there as well. And I got a message on my phone from my wife saying, my water's broken, come home now. So I was going to remind the church, well, I was going to tell the church that that's what happened. On, and it was Father's Day, and I thought, that's a, it's a great story to share. And then as I'm walking into the church, I'm thinking this, and the Holy Spirit reminded me of something else. And it shocked me, in a way, because I'd been to this church so many times, and it had never occurred to me what the Holy Spirit reminded me of. So on that block where that church is, there was a gay club that I used to go to when I lived in that identity, right behind it. And I've been to this church four or five times in the last few years, and I, it never clicked to me. But the Holy Spirit wanted to show me that in the same vicinity where I used to live that lifestyle of darkness, where I was caught in darkness, is the same place that I'm getting a text message saying, come, your son is about to be born. And God, yeah, let's give the Lord a hand. And it was Father's Day. And God just wanted to remind me of how good he is and how he re can redeem and restore anyone. And I believe he wanted me to share that story with the church to encourage them. And they only told me after I shared that, after I shared my testimony there that, hey, there's actually a club here that we, and we pray for people who go there. And I'm like, well, keep praying. But I asked, I asked God, I said, God, how come, I, how come I never remembered it before? How come? And he gave me the answer. And if you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 to 11, it's not, it's, I didn't give you this before. Chapter 6, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 to 11. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to talk a bit about this a bit, but... Um, sometimes when I talk about this, it can get a little bit awkward because most people don't want to talk about this, if you know what I mean. But we're here to speak truth. And so I'm not here to condemn anyone. I'm here to speak truth that lines up with the word of God. And if there is anyone going through this or, or a similar issue, there's compassion. And, and God's heart is compassion and it's mercy. But there is freedom as well. Amen. So he says here, um, neither fornicators nor 
idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners, will inherit the kingdom of God. And this is what he showed me. And he said, and such were some of you. It's past tense. But you were washed, you were sanctified, and you were justified in the name of our Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. And what stood out to me is, yes, washed, yes, sanctified, and I'm going to talk about both those things tonight, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus. Justified means just as if you'd never sinned. And God was showing me that when he justifies us, it really is just as if we'd never sinned. He literally wiped my memory. He says, he removes your sin as far as the east is from the west. He's cast your sins into the depths of the sea. And he wanted to show me that through divine forgetfulness, he wanted to show me how, what his justification means, that he can actually wipe your memory. And there are so many things I can't remember even if I tried. I lived that lifestyle. It was dark. I, I lived every aspect of it. And I can tell you it was very, very dark. And while I was in it, I was enjoying it, having fun. But it was very, very dark. And I thank God he called me out of that. And it's interesting, he, he uses this order of washed, sanctified, and justified. Because that's exactly what happened to me. The first encounter when... I'll, t I'll tell you the story how I turned back to Christ. I used to believe as a young boy. My family used to go to church, and I loved God. And then, obviously, things happened, and all these feelings arose in me, and I turned away and rebelled from God. And I was working in a, in a law firm at the time, and um, a guy came in, and he said, Hey, I'm new here. I said, Yep, there's three vacant desks here. Take your pick. He said his name's Joe. And he sat down, and... He had this book with him, and it was called The Jesus I Never Knew. And he put the book on his desk. He worked for a couple of hours, went out for lunch, and I never saw him again. He never came back. And I, you know, two o'clock came and three o'clock came, and I thought, man, this guy's negotiated like a five hour lunch break. And I went to the boss and I said, Joe never came back. And he goes, yeah, he won't be coming back. And that was a bit of a weird workplace, so it wasn't completely unusual to me. But he left this book, and it sat there for months. And every time I'd walk in, I'd think, oh, Joe, you know, he forgot his book. But I was intrigued by it because it had a picture of Jesus on the front cover. And I picked it up, and I started reading it, and I fell in love with Jesus. And at the time, I was told, you know, the Bible isn't for you. You don't read the Bible. You know, that's how I was brought up. But this was the Bible explained. And it showed me the personality of Jesus. And I fell in love with him. And I felt him loving me. And so I said, Jesus, I'm living this lifestyle and I'm, I'm confused because the world says I'm born this way and I can't change. And I truly felt that and believe that. But you say that I'm condemned if I live this way. And that I'm going to be in trouble on judgment day. And so I, I couldn't reconcile that. So all I could do was say, Jesus, help me. I just want to know the truth. I just want to know the truth. I've got a hidden agenda here, right? I want it. I want someone to tell me that I'm born this way. I want Jesus to tell me that I'm born this way. That way I can wash my hands of any liability 
and just accept that I was born that way and don't have to worry about it anymore. I wanted to believe that it was a hardware issue, not a software issue, if you know what I mean. And so I was praying one night and a light appeared in the room. A supernatural light. And beams of light came out of this light, I can't explain it, and they came into my chest like that. I didn't know what it was. I couldn't explain it. And the next morning, I mean, it was an amazing experience, but I wasn't sure what it was. All I knew was I was praying and something happened. And the next morning, someone called me up and they said, man, I had a really vivid dream of you last night that Jesus, you, you were kneeling down and Jesus was standing over you and he was washing you with light. And he said, he's washing you with light and with white powder. And I thought, whoa, Jesus has answered me. I said, I'm going to go to church. So I went to the Catholic church that day, and it was the feast day of St. Festina, and smack bang, as soon as you walk into the church, on the big screen was a picture of Jesus with the light coming out of his chest. And down the bottom it said, Jesus, I trust in you. And I said, this is my answer. I've just got to trust the Lord. And I decided to trust him that day. And I didn't know what it was going to look like. I didn't decide to trust him to change. I didn't decide to trust him so that I could get married and have kids. I just decided to trust him because of him and because of what I'd experienced through reading him, reading about him and starting to read his word and I fell in love with him. And so it's interesting in this scripture and it says, such were some of you, but you were washed. Such were some of you, but you were washed. That was the first thing he did for me, and it's the first thing he does for all of us. And I'm, when I'm talking, I'm not talking about this particular issue. I'm talking about everything. First thing is he washes you. He washes you clean so that you can stand in his presence with no shame, with no guilt, with no condemnation, that you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old is past and the new has come, and the past has been settled. And you no longer have to live there. And that's for someone here tonight who's struggling to live in the, in, live in the present. And you're trapped in the past, in the sins of the past. So you were washed, you were sanctified, and you were justified. So I've spoken about how he washed me and I've spoken about what it means to be justified just as if I'd never sinned and erasing my memory was just a wonderful example of that. But tonight I actually want to focus on sanctified. You were washed, sanctified, justified. Tonight I want to actually focus on sanctified. So how did he sanctify me? <clears throat> Jesus is praying and his prayer is it's in Matthew his prayer is Father sanctify them by your truth sanctify them by your truth and if there's anything that I believe caused the greatest transformation and change in my heart, it was his truth. In Psalm 51 verse 6, it's David's Psalm of repentance. Probably all read it. He says this, he says, you, he's talking to God, he says, you desire truth in the inward parts. 
In the hidden part, you will make me to know wisdom. In another version, it says, Behold, you desire truth in the innermost being, and in secret you will make a wisdom known to me. God requires truth in the innermost being. And he guides us there. He leads us there. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. He says, when he comes, Jesus promises, when he comes, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will guide you into all truth. The Holy Spirit's going to come and he's going to guide you into all truth. And you know what Jesus' other promise is? That you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. You'll know the truth and the truth shall, will set you free. It's not a may, may set you free, could set you free, maybe one day set you free. It's as you get to know the truth, you'll become free. He actually says the truth will make you free. It creates freedom in you. So when I started to hear the truth, without even realizing it, because God's word, he, he spoke the world into existence. He created the world by speaking his word. Right? So his truth makes you free because it's creative. So when truth comes, change begins and freedom comes. So we have our father, he's the father of lights. And unfortunately, there's another guy, and he is, the Bible says, he's the father of lies the father of lies. In John chapter 8, verse 44, Jesus exposes the father of lies like this. He says, you are of your father, the devil. He's talking to the Pharisees here. And he says, your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in it. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. This is the enemy, the father of lies. And I just think it's amazing that Jesus is describing the father of lies and he calls him a murderer. Why? He's a murderer because he does not stand in the truth. It's crazy that he equates lies and not standing in the truth with murder. Why? Just as it happened in the garden in Genesis when the enemy came to Adam and Eve and lied to them and, and God said, if you eat of this tree, you will surely die. They didn't die, but he murdered them. He murdered the Spirit of God in them. And so when the enemy comes to speak lies into our lives and to get a foothold through his lies, the same thing happens. He murders the Spirit of God in us. He murders our spirit man, and that's why Jesus calls him a murderer. He murders destiny in you. He murders God's potential in you. He murders God's life in you. Thank God our Father is Jesus. So what does it mean for, for him, when we call him the father of lies? What is a lie? The dictionary defines a lie as an untruth, a falsehood, a white lie, perjury, fabrication, falsification, deception, betrayal, a made-up story, a tale, a half-truth, a pretense, crookedness, exaggeration, fiction, evasiveness, and concealment. This is the enemy's playbook. All these things. He's a liar. 
But Jesus says in John chapter 8, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. And it's interesting how they respond to him. And the reason why I'm talking about this is because we're all interested in freedom, aren't we? You're interested in freedom. Your friends who aren't here tonight and who might even be in the world, they're interested in freedom as well. Everyone is interested in freedom. Am I correct? No one is looking for bondage. Everyone is searching for freedom. Right? And it's interesting, the Pharisees respond to him in John chapter 8, verse 32 to 34. They answered him, and he says, we are Abraham's descendants, and we've never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? Jesus answered them, most assuredly I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. But it's interesting. Their first response is, what do we need your freedom for? What do we need freedom for? We're not in bondage. And they say, we've never been in bondage. Even though in the physical, they're under Rome in, in bondage. And previously, they've been in bondage in Egypt. And they're saying, we've never been in bondage. We don't need to be made free. And they're offended by the very suggestion that there's freedom for them. And Jesus answers them and he says, okay, if you want to know whether you're free or not, he gives a simple response. And he says, whoever is a slave of sin, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin and is in bondage. So he equates a lack of freedom with slavery to sin. And what does it mean to be a slave? It's the word doulos and it means involuntary or voluntarily, frequently, a servant. And it's interesting, it's whether it's voluntary or involuntary, whether you're a slave to sin, whether it's voluntarily or involuntarily, you're a slave to sin. And so Jesus is saying, if you're in sin, you're not free, but you need freedom. That's it in a nutshell. And sin is anything outside of the word of God, outside of God's design. So freedom is living within God's word, within his precepts, within his will, within his design for you, within his plan for you. That is freedom. And someone might say what the world says today, but hang on a sec. Freedom is a lack of rules. Isn't that what freedom is? How can you tell me that freedom is living within God's rules? I thought freedom is not having any rules whatsoever. That's, that's true freedom, isn't it? I'll give this example. It says many people like to see freedom as the complete absence of constraints. But think of a fish. You all think of a fish? Because a fish absorbs oxygen from water, not air, it is free only if it is restricted to water. If a fish is freed from the river and put on the grass to explore, its freedom to move and soon even to live is destroyed. The fish is not more free but less free if it cannot honour the reality of its nature. The same is true with airplanes and birds. If they violate the laws of aerodynamics, they will crash into the ground. But if they follow them, they will ascend and soar. 
The same is true in many areas of life. Freedom is not so much the absence of restrictions as finding the right ones, those that fit with the realities of our own nature and those of the world created by God. So freedom isn't the absence of constraints or restrictions. It's the presence of the right ones. And where do we get those? From the word of God. In Psalm, Psalm 119 verse 60, it says, The sum of your word is truth. Another translation says, the entirety, the entirety of your word is truth. The entirety of it. You know, sometimes there are, there are people who cherry pick. I like this part, don't like that part. I'm not ready for that part. But the Bible says the entirety of it is truth. And if we live within it, we'll truly be free. We'll know the truth, and the truth will set us free. And so if you're in an area of bondage, then perhaps it's spiritual. Perhaps you need deliverance, and the Holy, you need discernment from the Holy Spirit. But oftentimes I've found it's a truth issue. So you can come, you can get delivered on the altar, you can get prayer, and then what? The truth has to be established in you. And I talk about same-sex attraction as an example. People don't, if I want to minister to someone, uh, they don't really want to talk about the truth. They don't want to hear the truth. And I understand that the truth can be offensive, so I can understand why they don't want to hear it. But if I say, hey, uh, can I pray for you? They'll say, sure. So they're open to being delivered and zapped in an instant, right, on, on the altar. They're open to that, but they find the truth offensive. And so often it's not a ministry issue Often our issues that we're going through are truth issues, not ministry issues. And we need discernment in that area. <clears throat> so what is spoken about lies? We've spoken a bit about the truth. And we were watching the last song up on the screen. And it's Jesus. There's a scene there, Jesus before Pilate. And it's interesting that even back then, people were asking, well, what is truth? So if you look at John chapter 18, verse 37 to 38, Jesus is standing before Pilate and says, and Pilate therefore said to him, you are a king then, and Jesus answered. You say rightly that I'm a king. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Isn't that amazing? Jesus is saying, hey, this is the reason for this cause I was born. This is the reason why I came into the world. That I should bear witness to the truth. The reason Jesus came into the world, he's saying, is to bear witness to the truth. And he says, everyone who's of the truth hears my voice. And look at Pilate's response in verse 38. What is truth? He asks that question and he turns his back. On Jesus. Jesus is the way and the truth 
and the life. Pilate is looking truth in the face. He says, he asks the question, what is the truth? With the truth staring right back at him. And he doesn't stay for the answer because he's not actually interested in hearing the answer. He turns away and he goes and he washes his hands. He's wash, he washes his hands of the truth. And isn't it interesting these days that what the world wants to convince us is not that God isn't true or that Jesus wasn't real. They want to convince us that there is no such thing as truth itself. And I'll remember being at uni and the lecturer would put a chair up on the stage and say, uh, is this chair really here? And say, yes, the chair's really there. Well, how do you know the chair's really there? Well, I can see it. I can feel it and I can sit on it. It's pretty, I'm pretty sure it's there. How do you know it's there? And they want to convince us that there is no such thing as truth. But that is the ploy of the enemy. Because if he can convince the world that truth itself doesn't exist, then he can convince them that Jesus doesn't exist. Because he is the truth. In John chapter 6, verse 60, Jesus is talking to them about eating his flesh and drinking his blood. And in verse 60 it says, Therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, This is a hard teaching. Who can understand it? When Jesus in himself knew in himself that his disciples complained about this, he said to them, Does this offend you? What then if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? It is the spirit who gives life, the flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you who do not believe. And then it goes on, you look at verse 66. It says, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. And Jesus turned to the twelve. He said, do you also want to go away. And Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And isn't that true? But Jesus asked the question, does this offend you? The truth is offensive. And Jesus himself the truth. People were offended by him because he was truth itself. And people turned away from him because he was true. And to the point where just the 12 are left. And he's like, you guys going to go as well out of offense because of the truth? And I love Simon Peter's answer, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. His words are eternal. They don't change with time. They don't change with culture. They don't change in countries. They're eternal. His words are spirit and they are eternal. C.S. Lewis says this Quote, and it's a good one, I like it. He says, if you look for truth, you may find comfort in the end. If you look for comfort, you will not get either comfort or truth. Only soft soap and wishful thinking to begin with 
and in the end, despair. The truth is offensive, but it's true. And Spurgeon says it this way, he says, we must all learn to hear what we do not like. The question is not, is it pleasant, but is it true? So when I was going through my issue and I started to explore it, the question wasn't, hey, is this going to be an uncomfortable process? Or should I turn away because this is going to be hard? And I might get offended and I might realise I've been wrong all these years and I might have to stand up to a lot of my friends who, I mean, all my friends were living that lifestyle. I'm going to offend them. So the question wasn't, is this comfortable? I had to lose my life. I had to lose all my friends. I had to lose everything, all my relationships. And basically, um, just all I had to hang on to was Jesus. So it wasn't comfortable, but it was true. <clears throat> On Sunday, I'll share this that happened to highlight how the devil gets offended by the truth. The day before, so on Saturday I was praying, and God highlighted in my prayers a woman with a certain coloured hair. And I was praying for that church. And I thought, okay, Lord, what do you, uh, do you want to show me anything else about her? And it, I didn't see anything. All I saw was the color of her hair. And I walked into that church and I looked around to see if there was a lady with that color hair and there, there wasn't. And then just before worship finished, a lady with that color hair walked into the church. And I said, Lord, what do you want? Now that she's here, what do you want me to see about her? And all he showed me was her holding a baby and grieving. And I thought, okay, uh, not sure, not exactly sure what that is. Did she lose a baby? Um, has something happened to a child? What's, what's going on? Anyway, I thought, you know, just trust, trust the Holy Spirit and see what happens. So... I preached my message and I shared my testimony and I was talking about truth. And after the service, she came up to me. She's the only person who came up to me and she was crying in tears. And she said, um, I've got a problem. She said, my daughter was in this service sitting up the back and She's a lesbian and she's just messaged me during the service saying she's offended by your message and that she's going to commit suicide. And for a split second, I thought, oh no, what have I done? Split second. And then I realised this was an attack of the enemy. This was attack on, an attack on the truth. And I thank God that he, show, he prepared me for that and he showed me this woman and he even showed me her baby and that she was grieving over what was obviously her daughter. And I said, listen, I'm going to be honest with you. God highlighted you to me and he showed me you were grieving over your baby and I assume that's your daughter. And he said, he wouldn't have shown me that if... This was of the devil and not of God. And so truth was spoken today. Let's pray for your daughter and agree that she'll be healed and restored. But we're not going to let the enemy come and intimidate us into silence and into lies. We will speak the truth because the truth will set us free. So I want to encourage you to speak the truth. in love, with grace, but to speak the truth. So when he says you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free, what does it mean to know the truth? In the Greek, the word know is 
and I'm going to pronounce it wrong. It's called it's Gnosko or something. Yeah. All right. So it means to learn, to know, come to know, get a knowledge, or perceive or feel. But what's interesting is it's the same word used to describe sexual intimacy between a man and a woman. So in Matthew, when the angel came to Joseph, when just before Jesus was born, it said, Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife and did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son and he called his name Jesus. He did not know her. The same word, know, as you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. In Matthew, he's saying he did not know her. He did not have sexual intimacy with Mary. The same word, that you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. You will become intimate with the truth. It's like you and the truth will become one. To that level of intimacy with the truth. You become the truth, just as Jesus was the truth, right? We're Christians. We're, meant, we're predestined to be conformed to his image. So we're meant to look like Jesus and walk like Jesus. And so when he is the truth, we also become so intimate with his word and his truth that we become it as well. And how does it set you free? Like I said, John chapter 17, Jesus is praying, he says, sanctify them by your truth. The truth is powerful. His word is alive and it's active. It never returns void. It accomplishes everything he sets it out to accomplish. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. His word has power. Why? Because of the Holy Spirit. He is the counsellor. He is the spirit of truth. And he empowers you through his word, through the word of Jesus. So do you want the truth? How do you get it? The first thing I want to say is you receive it by faith. You don't have to reason your way into it. You just receive, you hear it, and you receive it by faith. You don't receive it by reasoning, logical reasoning, anything like that. You hear and you receive. Just as I read and I heard and I received it as the truth. And that's faith. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 2. It says, A fool has no delight in understanding, but in expressing his own heart. This was, okay, I read this scripture out of place. This is to highlight, or ask the question, do you actually want the truth? Because here it says a fool has no interest, no interest in the truth but in expressing his own heart. And that was me for such a long time. So how do you get the truth? Proverbs chapter 23, verse 23 says, Buy the truth and do not sell it. Also wisdom and instruction and understanding. It's interesting, he says, buy the truth, like purchase it. Spend on the truth. And what, it, what does it mean? It means you might have to forego something. You might have to go make a sacrifice somewhere. You were going to buy something, but you're not going to buy that thing anymore because you're going to buy the truth. There's a price to be paid for the truth. And Proverbs says, buy it. Pay that price for the truth. Psalm 119 verse 45 it says, I will walk at liberty, for I seek thy precepts. 
seek the truth. Ask the Holy Spirit to guide you into all truth. That's what he's for. So the Holy Spirit is the promise of the Father. He's the promise of the Father. And if his role is to guide you into all truth, who better to ask to help you than the Holy Spirit? He will do it his way. And I am amazed at how he did it in my life because I would never ex have expected it to unfold the way it did. And it'll be different for everyone. But the Holy Spirit knows how to guide, knows how to counsel you, knows how to lead you. And so it's so important to be led by the Holy Spirit. Not to be led by your own understanding. Trust the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will help you identify and dismantle the lies of the enemy. The lies of the enemy. The lie of deception. The lie that you're doomed. The lie that there's no way out. Whatever lie is coming against you. And so to give you an example of how he undid the lie in my life, when I was, I was young and... You know, my parents had an awkward relationship. I love them. So I don't mean to disrespect them by sharing this, but I like to share truth. And I had a really unhealthily kind of close relationship with my mum. And she would often come and, you know, confide in me and, and basically cry. And I'm a young boy and tell me, you know, how... You know, awful my dad was and how bad men are and et cetera, et cetera. And so the enemy attached himself to that and he came and lied to me. And the lie looked like this. Well, if my dad is a man and men hurt my mum like this, if I'm a man, I'm going to hurt her too. So best I reject my masculinity and who God created me to be because I don't want to hurt my mum. That's all it was. But it completely destroyed me. A lie as simple as that completely destroyed me. So we're not to be unaware of the devil's schemes or his lies. And what does God say? Male and female, I created them. In my image, I created you. I've adopted you as my son. And so what did I have to do? I had to replace the lie with the truth. And as I began to replace the lies with the truth, that's how I became free. My identity changed. And so I asked earlier today, I said, I asked the Holy Spirit, I said, Holy Spirit, when you say you require truth in the innermost being, what does that mean? What is, why don't you just say the heart? Because you, know, you often talk about the heart. How come it says the innermost being? And he whispered to me that that's identity. He requires truth in your identity, in who you are. That you are created in his likeness, in his image. And so the enemy, that's how he came to destroy me. He would have come to destroy you through other ways through other experiences, through other traumas, through other lies. I don't know what they are for you. And it doesn't matter whether it's identical to my issue or not because his lies come to murder destiny in you. And the word of God comes 
to revive, to restore, to heal, and put you back together so that you can walk in freedom. Amen. And just to prove this point, this is very interesting. Because people would think, how do you, how can you say that was the cause of your, your issue? And the Bible says it. So if you look at Romans chapter 1, verse 24 to 26. In verse 26, if we can go there, it says, For this reason God gave them up to vile passions, for even their woman exchanged the natural use of what was is against nature. Next. Uh, that's right, I'll read it. Yeah. Likewise also the men leaving the natural use of the women burned with lust for one another. Right, so this is talking about same-sex attraction. Now, if we go to the previous verse, or verse 24 to 25, talking about this particular issue, this is what Paul says. He says, Therefore, God gave them up to uncleanness in the lusts of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who, and this is what I want you to see, exchanged the truth of God the lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator. Paul diagnoses it here. He says, what happened to me was I exchanged the truth of God for a lie. And yes, it's complex and yes, it's a journey and a process but you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. <clears throat> so don't... The other thing I want to say is there's truth and there's feelings and we can't mix the two up. And so often we're dictated by how we feel and we take our feelings as truth rather than what God says. So God says... Um, you're forgiven. And you say, but I don't feel forgiven. And if I don't feel forgiven, therefore I mustn't be forgiven. So your feelings can actually lie to you. Because the truth is, you come to Jesus, you repent, you're forgiven. And so that is the truth. And that has to become a reality in you. But if you're looking at your feelings as the measure of truth in you, you'll always fail and you'll always stumble because your feelings aren't the truth. The word of God is the truth and the word of God is to dictate our feelings, not the other way around. So I'll, I'll finish up with this. <clears throat> it's interesting in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 14, in the King James Version, he says, Paul speaking, he says, Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness. He's talking about the armour of God here. But what I find fascinating, and he says, you've got to guard your loins with the truth. Your, lo your loins are your private areas. And Paul's saying, protect that area with the truth. Why? Because it's one of the areas most susceptible to lies of the enemy. One of the areas the enemy wants to attack the most. Why? And the Holy Spirit showed me this today. Because it's the two things God created us with. 
He created us in Genesis, he created us in his image and likeness, and it says he created them male and female. The first two things about us, and it's like the enemy sees that and goes after it. And if we believe the lie, he'll take us out. But thank God there's truth. Amen. Thank God for Jesus. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. That there's always freedom. And no matter what it is you've struggled with or you're struggling with, there is an answer in the Word of God. And if you seek Him with all your heart, you will find Him. If you seek him with all your heart, you will find the truth and you will find Jesus in that place. So why don't we just stand to our feet and we'll pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your counsel. You are the wonderful counselor. I thank you, you help each person here. discern and identify the lies of the enemy. I thank you for a hunger for your truth. Your truth to be established in our hearts. I thank you for your grace. that Jesus came in grace and in truth. And that wherever a, wherever a lie has been believed, wherever a lie has manifested itself, I thank you there's grace. I thank you there's mercy. I thank you there's compassion. Thank you for your light. You are the father of lights. Thank you that you're transporting so many here tonight from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of your son. And we pray the prayer Jesus prayed. Holy Spirit, sanctify us by your truth. Sanctify us by your truth. Sanctify each one by your truth, Lord. We come against the lie of suicide. We expose that lie tonight. The lie of self-harm. 
Thank you that person has purpose and destiny. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. The altar's open if anyone wants to come forward for prayer. Otherwise, God bless you. We'll see you Sunday.